Right. Hello, everybody. We're back for a quick espresso and geography where a special guest and I talk current geographical affairs for a maximum of 15 minutes. It is going to be a challenge for this one, folks, uh, because this shot of geography laden caffeine is the recent news concerning the forecast for the upcoming El Nino or the, or the uh, phase that is going to be El Nino as part of the um, El Nino Southern Oscillation. So what is it? Why should we be paying attention to it? What does it mean for climate change, etc.? Well, I am delighted to say that joining me is a good friend of mine, Alistair Hamill. And if uh, you remember, folks, I had a lovely chat with Alistair back in season two for the full podcast. And I strongly, strongly recommend you give that a listen. Link will be in the show notes. Alistair, how are you, my friend? Kit, it is so wonderful to see yep. you. And, and I just was saying before we started, lovely to see you again so soon. Because yeah, the last the podcast, we met in real life for the very first time. So it was amazing. Very, very special. Yes, it was brilliant. That was the Geographic Association uh, conference. I've mentioned that a few times on the podcast now. And uh, folks, if you're a geography teacher or an academic and you haven't gone to that yet, I keep badger on about it. You should go. Right, Alistair, do you think we can do this in 15 minutes? It's going to be a tough one, isn't it? Kids, we have absolutely no mission whatsoever. But that sounds like <laughs> for two trackies like ourselves, um, a, a mission that cannot... <laughs> a mission that is impossible just sounds right up our street, does it not? Yep, and uh, including with the dog in the background. Yes. <laughs> that, that stays in for comedic effect, everybody. Right, okay, so I'm going to start my timer, and uh, the first thing we're going to start off is a very brief description about what we mean by El Nino and the Southern Oscillation. So, um, what is El Nino then, Alistair? So El Nino is all about a pattern of the, the winds in the tropics, particularly in the Pacific. And the El Nino, uh, or its southern oscillation, is an oscillation between two extremes that take you uh, away from what would be the typical. The typical would be that the trade winds are blowing in a kind of an easterly direction. And the El Nino is either a weakening of the trade winds or a reversal of them. And it has global imp- impacts on temperature and precipitation mm. patterns. And a La Nina is an intensification of the trade winds. And it basically redistributes the warm water in the Pacific Ocean, which then has a, a, a spiraling of uh, effects all across the globe. Yeah, and we call this an oscillation, folks, because as it's, it kind of goes from one mode to the next, it's a naturally occurring um, cycle. So El Nino is, is generally the, the warm mode. Um, when you get a warming in the Pacific and, you know, that influences, as, as you said, the winds. And then um, you go through a neutral phase where things are, quote, unquote, normal. They're, they're average. And then they go into La Nina and they keep oscillating. And these things, you know, they're, they're relatively predictable, relatively. But sometimes you can have a very short, sharp El Nino or a long, mild El Nino, you know, as with all oscillations. But uh, they're generally quite... Um, quite repeatable and climate scientists have modeled these very very well and the reason why we're talking about it this year folks is because there's some predictions that this year uh, we're moving into an el nino phase which could be quite strong and this has been hitting the news recently so what i mean why should us geographers be paying attention to that particularly as do you think yeah well you're right it's a 
A little bit about the predictions. Now, of course, there is potentially an element of clickbait in titles like this. Uh, Indeed. love these. There is the potential that this could be strong. Uh, we don't know at this stage. And that's part of the reason why we as geographers need to be interested, because this is an, a real-time event unfolding before us. And because of the access that we've got to open source big data these days, we can mm. actually follow along with the forecasters and watch over the next weeks and months to see where this is likely to take us yeah indeed in fact we were we were just talking about there's this fantastic again in the show notes folks will be everything we're talking about but there is this really good thing um which is the southern oscillation index dashboard and what that actually does is that it actually tracks um in pretty much near real time over the last month what is happening uh, in the southern oscillation at the moment so along the y-axis we have um, the Southern Oscillation Index value. So it goes from minus up to positive. And in general, kind of like a minus uh, index value is, is will be uh, an El Nino kind of phase. So the stronger that number goes down, the stronger the El Nino conditions. And then a positive is like more like La Nina conditions. And um, there's two lines on this graph. You've got the average from the last 90 days. So the latest data point is the last 90-day average. And then you've got the 30 day average. And, and as Alistair said, it's really important to look at these two lines because, well, what's the difference we see between the last 90 days average of this index and the last 30 days of average? It's, it's the different lines. Yeah, so the graph that we're looking at here, the 30 day index is sitting in a little bit more of a negative state, which means that it's kind of tending towards uh, an El Nino. The 90-day graph, though, is sitting, uh, those line is sitting as a positive one. So it, it's just showing you the differences and the importance of those different timescales. So more recently, over the last month or so, uh, what has happened is that the positive El Nino, or the positive Southern Oscillation Index value, which indicates more of a La Nina, has shifted into a negative one, uh, which is indicating that we're moving towards an El Nino. And it's being yep. able to see that in real time and... This dashboard is, is fabulous because it takes it from each day, so you'll get a huge amount of variation in mm. every day. Um, and then you can look at a whole range of different timescales. And it's a fascinating, for those of the geography teachers here, it's a fascinating tool actually to use with your classes to let them see the difference in the timescales and these averages and how they average themselves out. I just wanted to, to mention about that um, just in terms of what it is measuring. Um, it's basically the uh, pressure difference between um, Darwin and Tahiti in the Pacific Ocean. And looking at those, measuring those pressure differences gives you your Southern Oscillation Index, which allows you to then make some inferences about what the trade winds are, are likely to do. Mm -hmm. So if you have got these negative values, it's a weakening of the trade winds, which is going to prompt El Nino, or, or perhaps even if it goes very negative, it can be a reversal. So that's part of what you can see in that real-time data, and that allows you to maybe infer a little bit um, in advance about what's likely to happen in the months to come. The other piece of real-time data, whenever we were chatting about what we were going to talk about, that really struck me was the remote sensing. I shared this yes. of the temperature maps and the, particularly the temperature anomalies over the Pacific Ocean. Uh, and what you can see there, um, I'm looking at this map right now, off the west coast of northern South America, the temperature anomalies there are going about three to four, five degrees above 
average. But right in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, you're starting to get the temperatures there going up about a degree, degree and a half above average. Mm -hmm. So when you start to put those bits and pieces together, the warming of the uh, Pacific and the, the changing there of the Southern Oscillation Index, it's these real-time pieces of information that really allow us to track this unfolding event yep. as it's happening. Yep, 100%. And it, it is... It is quite a complex um, climatic system that's taking place. We know that it's, 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 you know, just trying to get the basics of the Southern Oscillation. You know, if you're teaching 14, 15, 16-year-olds at GCSE, for example, you know, just trying to get them to understand the differences between those two diagrams, you know, what is neutral conditions, what's yeah. It's quite challenging, but it is very important to try and understand where this information is coming from, at least from an educator's point of view. Yeah. And certainly, you know, for the, for the students who are studying this, uh, uh, you know, at A-level or those, those old years and to kind of understand where these figures figures are coming from so very very um quickly um alistair i mean why else should we care i mean i mean one thing from the you know from we say why would we care about this in the in the uk like because of the pacific coast it's all in the way in the pacific well one thing that El, an el nino year does uh, folks is that it kind of amplifies temperatures in certain parts of the world in certain parts of the globe so um we want to, we'll, should we move on to the climate change discussion now, do you think? Yeah, Mr. yeah. Or, yeah. Um, and it, this is really, really fascinating, I feel. So um, when you look at um, a climate change graph, you sometimes see um, this step effect, that temperatures seem to jump and then they seem a bit stable and then they jump and they seem a bit stable, which is really, really interesting. And this is where you get, you know people with nefarious intentions or don't understand what's going on when they talk about oh look climate change hasn't happened for the last six or seven or eight years or look there's a pause in and all this kind of stuff when they're forgetting about it Alistair, i love the analogy that you use with the staircase so let's start from that point here when we look at climate change it seems to be a staircase of warming so yeah, take us through yeah. that. Try and paint that picture for yeah, us. Yeah. So yes, it is the challenge of trying in an audio format to describe these graphs. Indeed. Yeah, we're going to give okay. it a go. Yeah. So imagine a line that has a slight upward trend. Okay. So that's the overall trend of temperatures. Looking at it from a long enough time scale, it is going up. But as, as you mentioned, Kit, the actual temperature year on year is quite jiggy, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> Jittery, skittery. It skitters up and down. Uh, so any given year might be, um, uh, you know, 0 0.2, 0 0.3 of a degree colder on average than the previous year, which again gives the opportunity for climate skeptics to come in. But I, I had a, a look at this particular graph uh, and mapped onto it um, some of the significant El Nino and La Nina events. And we're looking from 1970 to 2020. And we'll share this in the show notes. It is absolutely incredible, actually. What is yeah. it that um, it really seems to, at least there's a correlation, there's definitely a correlation between yep. the events when you've got uh, this, this slightly warmer than average and then the slightly lower than that rising average trend map on almost perfectly to the El Nino and La Nina yeah. events. So it definitely shows, as you said at the start, it is this oscillation. It's that jigginess up and down, which is that kind of, you know, three, four, five, seven year variability set against a decades long clear upward trend. So um, whenever you take a look, say, for example, from 2015, which was 2015-16, um, the last major El Nino yep. temperatures there, um, 
not 0.6 degrees warmer uh, from the 1981-2010 um, average. Uh, but since then, the temperatures have uh, come down ever so slightly. So it looks like there's a slight downward trend. So if you're a skeptic, you're saying, what's happened to this climate yeah. change? <laughs> yeah. It's getting colder. So this was how I tried to do it. Right Now picture, if you will, please, uh, a staircase. And every time you go up a step, it corresponds to a significant El Nino event. So it seems to ramp up to what was probably a new record for global temperatures. Now, because you've ramped up to that record with global temperatures and you've got that little boost from the extra heat from El Nino, so that helps to kind of amplify the overall warming trend from climate change, you ramp up to that extra little boost almost inevitably from that yep. boost you're going to slip back down again slightly. And especially if you come in following from the El Nino to La Nina, which will tend to cool global temperatures slightly, you're going to get that slight downward trend. So it's picture this. It's like a staircase. Whenever you step up onto the staircase, the, the flat platform of each step is actually inclined downward slightly away from the edge of the step. Yep. So you've stepped up, but the slope of the step itself slopes down away from you a little bit. And then there's the next step up, and it slopes down away a little yep. bit as well. So if you're standing on any one particular step, the slope is down as, as you stand on it. Um, the temperatures are going down. What's happened to climate change? Yep. But if you take a look at the whole staircase, each of those steps is that little boost to El Nino or from El Nino to the temperature, which then means that whenever you're getting these hotter and hotter temperatures, if it corresponds with an El Nino year, then that's when you get into the really dangerous and catastrophic potential for... Yep. Um, imagine the temperature you had in England last summer, and that was in a La New Year. What would it be yes. like in an El New Year? And this is why we're very well concerned. We're very interested as a scientific point of view, as a geographic point of view, concerned as a long-term trend view because. You know, it was 40 degree temperatures here in my part of the UK. It was deeply, deeply uncomfortable, deeply yes. uncomfortable. And as you said, that was a, that was a, a year when the southern oscillation was in the, in the a, a La Nina mode. Um, so, so relatively cooler than than even a neutral year. So, yes. and that was yes. last year. So now, the reason why this has become newsworthy of 2023 is we're entering into a new El Nino phase. Is that if this you know, there's some models are suggesting that this could be a particularly strong El Nino. Some models suggest it may not be an, another super El Nino like in 2016 or 1998, but it could be a fairly significant one. And I just can't imagine what that might do to the global temperatures or even the summer temperatures here in the United Kingdom. And there's some predictions to say that 2023, because of this El Nino, could be either the warmest on record globally ever, um, or it could be... And this, this is so frightening to say, as low as the fourth warmest record on record. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But either way, we're probably going to be maybe a top five year yep, is, yep. What they're, is what the models are suggesting. As we've already said, there's always variability, there's always uncertainty, mm -hmm. but we are on course because of this El Nino mode that we're entering to. Totally. There, there was one fact that, that I came across when I was doing a little bit of reading for this that I thought was powerful. So 2016 um, temperatures are around about um, one degree ab above the, the long-term average. Uh, 2020 was just below it. 2016 yep. was an El Nino year. 2020 was a La Nina year. La Nina year, yeah. So there was a global cooling effect. 
If 2020's uh, weather conditions had happened and corresponded with an El Nino, what temperatures would have been? And this mm. is where we're, we're concerned. And then all of the kind of social justice issues, you know, if you, you look at the fact that those temperature changes don't fall equally across the cities of the UK, across yep. the countries in the world, and we really get ourselves into issues of profound social justice, yeah. um, that's why this really matters. Yeah, and to finish off, because we've only got about 20 seconds, I'll put the link in the description, but there's a great graph from the IPCC which talks about forcing, and it has it has shows you what this internal variability, so El Nino, the southern oscillation, what it does. It kind of like tweaks temperatures, 0.2 positive when there's El Nino, minus 0.2 when it's La Nina. But when you add that on top of the warming because of climate, because of CO2 and whatnot, you can see how this creates this staircase effect. So, Alistair, that's 15 minutes. Would you believe it? We did. Um, it. No, I don't believe it for one moment. But well, I'm not sure if we. I'm not sure if the people listening are going. Why are you leaving us on a cliffhanger, <laughs> or something like that? Um, but unfortunately, folks, because of the format of this is, we do have to leave it there. So what we're going to do is that we will put links in the description of all the things that we talked about. Further reading for you, if you really do want to go on this, of course. Um, Alistair, where can we find you on on Twitter? Uh, at LC Geography. Uh, LC Geography. And uh, you folks know that you can find me on as uh, Jog Ramblings or Coffee Jog Pod. Uh, so please, please, we we can continue this conversation. I, as someone with, you know, trained in climate science and, and, and Alistair's really, really got his head around this, who teach this kind of stuff. We know that 15 minutes cannot do this justice. And this probably has given you more questions then answers but that's fine that's great that's what good geographers do and folks if you're if you're not a geographer you listen to this because of the pleasure of it and you're completely flummoxed don't worry about it but this is why we need to trust the processes at play in terms of the scientific method and the people who are looking at this because they do have their heads around this these complex systems and they are factoring in these kind of things and they really, really are very good at what they do. And they build in the uncertainties because of things like El Nino and La Nina. So um, there we go, folks. I hope that gives you a bit of a taste of, of kind of like the, the richness, the beauty and the complexity of all this kind of stuff. So, um, Alistair, any final part? Because it was a bit of a complex topic, you got any final parting words before we uh, sign off? Yeah, just really, I suppose, when you're talking about the um, implications, the importance of this, uh, allowing our young people, our our students in school, for those of us that have the privilege of teaching them, to be Mm. able to track these things in real time. Yes, it's a cliffhanger, but any time I'm teaching or tracking volcanic eruptions in real time, very often the cliffhanger. This is very true. In many ways, that's exactly not only the hook for the students, but it also prepares them more for you know, of those that go into study geography. This is how we do geography in the real world, not with yep. neat little case studies that we can reflect <laughs> on three years after the event, but unfolding in real time, using evidence, using science to make our best guesses. Uh, but that's what our pupils need to experience because they're the yep. ones that are going to f- come up with the solutions. Yeah, and folks, as I say, if, you, if you're not teachers or, or t- you know, ed- geography educators, or anything, I hope that it gives you the sense of, of why geography teachers do exist and why we're so bleeding geeky. (laughs) (laughs) Alistair, thank you again, my friend. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, we'll definitely have you back on for another Expresso in Geography when another newsworthy item comes up. So thank you. Excellent, Kit. Thanks very much. Great to chat as always.